Good morning, Christchurch, and it is so good to be able to share with you today. And we're continuing our sermon series uh, that we've called Home, which is really just a kind of random exploration of the idea of home in Scripture. And we've looked at all sorts of things, haven't we, over these last few weeks. And today I want to bring together both that idea of home, but also, as it was Pentecost Sunday last week, that idea of the work of the Spirit. And uh, I want to look at Acts chapter 10, and it's a very long passage, a very long story. It's the longest story that Luke tells in the book of Acts, which signifies something, doesn't it? Luke thinks this story is important. What is the story? It's about two men. It's about a Roman centurion called Cornelius, who lives in Caesarea, and Peter, the disciple of Jesus, who at that point is staying in Joppa. And Cornelius is described in the passage, which I would encourage you to read after this service. He's described as a God-fearer. What does that mean? It means that probably he was someone who was searching for truth, searching for God, who had not yet at that point converted to Judaism, but recognised the importance of the God of the Jews. And it describes how Cornelius, who as it says in the passage, he prays regularly, is praying and suddenly he has a vision of an angel and the angel says to him, send for Peter in Joppa. And so he immediately sends some of his men to, to go and bring Peter to and to ask Peter to come and share something of what he knows of God. At that point, Peter is 55 kilometers away in Joppa praying. At this point, he's probably been praying for quite a while because it says he became hungry and he's on the roof of his house. And uh, as he's praying, he gets hungry, suddenly he has a vision. It's a vision of a sheep being lowered, filled with animals that according to the Jewish religion were all unclean. And God says to him, eat. Peter looks at all these unclean animals and says, I can't eat them, Lord, they're all unclean. And God says to him, do not call anything I have made unclean. At that point, the, the men from Cornelius arrive and encourage him to go with them to Cornelius. So they arrive back at Cornelius' house and Cornelius has, has gathered together all of his family and all of his friends and they are all there waiting expectantly for Peter to come. And Cornelius explains the vision he had of the angel. And Peter preaches the word to them. He tells them about Jesus. And even before he has finished preaching, the Holy Spirit falls on this crowd of people, all gathered together in Cornelius' home. And they have their own Pentecost experience. And those who were with Peter were amazed that the Holy Spirit had fallen on them, even though they were all Gentiles, they were non-Jews, in exactly the same way as the Holy Spirit had fallen upon them on the day of Pentecost. And there's some significant things here that make this story so important. Firstly, it is the gospel breaking through religious divides and racial divides. It was unheard of for a Jew like Peter to go into the house of a Gentile. It was forbidden. And yet God calls him to do that. 
and it is the start of the gospel being shared amongst the whole Gentile world. That's why this story is so significant. It is a turning point in the book of Acts. This is now no longer God of the Jews. This is God of the whole world. And in this day and age, we need to hear again and again, especially in this time, in these last couple of weeks, we've become so aware of racial inequality that the gospel says that we are all created equal, that there is no one that God has made that is unclean. We are all the same. God looks at us all the same and we all receive his grace and mercy in exactly the same way and we all need his grace and mercy. And these men, as they gathered in Cornelius' house, did not know what to expect when Peter came. And the Holy Spirit empowered them in the same way that he empowered the Jews on the day of Pentecost. It's a significant story. One thing I want to just draw your attention to, that it starts with two men praying in their homes. Cornelius, we don't know where he was praying, Peter up on the roof. And I want to kind of just share something with you that I just sense God saying to me. God placed a story uh, upon my heart at the beginning of the week and I've struggled with the story about what's the message, Lord, that you, you want to get across to the, this week. And I've struggled with it all week. And it's only now I'm getting a sense that God's saying to us that more than anything else, in this time of lockdown where our homes become our whole space, that we make our homes truly homes of prayer. Because it's through prayer that we will see breakthrough in our town, in our church, in our lives, and in this nation and across the world. It is prayer that is the thing that will set us apart. It is prayer that will break through all the barriers to be, we put up to God working. And all of our homes are to be homes of prayer. When we start to call people to prayer, normally what we say is, let's gather everyone together in church buildings and pray together. And those things are good, but I don't think that's what God is placing upon our hearts right now. He is calling us, I think, in our homes to make our homes houses of prayer. In Matthew 6, verse 6, Jesus says this, But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. That idea of going into your room, the, the, the word there indicates a kind of special room, a kind of private room that was used to simply shut yourself away from everything else. In, often uh, in, in Jesus' day, houses were filled with noise and people. And there was this place, a quiet place. What's your quiet place in your room? What's the place where you go to to pray? Where you can pray in secret, where you can simply come before God and offer him all the desires of your heart. I wonder what Cornelius was praying for when he had that vision. It doesn't say, 
but my imagination runs wild with that. He's probably longing for God, longing for more of God. Maybe he's heard stories of Jesus, maybe he wants to know more, and he's longing for something in his life. And it's there in that quiet place that God reaches out to him. God is calling us to make our homes houses of prayer. I really believe that. To not simply kind of gather together in, in our big buildings, but to do it privately, quietly. It's something I really feel that God is calling us to in Christchurch. You know, pretty soon, I'm, I'm sure we'll be able to open up our church building, at the very least for private prayer. And the tendency will be to kind of rush back into the building. That is not what I think God is saying to us. God is saying, stay where you are and pray. Make your home an altar to the Lord. And all across Southport, we need to have altars to the Lord where those places are places of prayer, where those places become thin places between heaven and earth. See, I really believe, like in, in this story, God's doing something new. It's frustrating to not be in our church building. It's frustrating to not be able to do the things that we normally do. But in this time, God is doing something new. And if we simply rush back to what we used to do, we will miss what God is doing now. We cannot simply stay in what we used to do. We need to look forward to what is coming, what God is doing amongst us. And maybe there's something important about us simply staying put and praying in our homes and making our homes the places where heaven and earth meet. And of course, that's what we see here in the story, isn't it, with Cornelius, a man who prayed regularly and his house became a thin space between heaven and earth. And he filled his house with people, none of whom probably were searching for God like he was. And yet they all received the power of the Holy Spirit. As we long for revival in our nation, as we long for revival in our town, we cannot see it unless we start to pray. And we've always gathered in buildings to pray, but maybe we need to simply set aside time in our lives and place in our homes to pray. To bring before God our desire to see revival in our time. I was reading today a story about uh, part of the Hebridean revival. And it's a story that takes place on a tiny little island off Harris called, uh, let me get this right, uh, Benera. Uh, only 400 people live there. And one of the elders of the church there, he, God laid on his heart to pray. As he looked at the state of the church and the state of the, the community around him, he knew that God needed to break through. And God placed upon his heart to pray, and he prayed in his barn. And as he was praying in his barn, he got a sense that God was answering his prayer. At that moment, Duncan Campbell was in Northern Ireland, got a sense from God to go to a tiny little island called Benera off the coast of Harris and to preach the gospel. Totally unexplainable, it just dropped into his heart. Three days later, he was on that island and he started to preach. 
He preached in a church building. Nothing happened in the church building. But as the congregation went out onto the road, suddenly the power of God fell on them and they were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit there under the, the starry moonlight skies. See, when people pray, things happen. And I want to call you to pray with us. A couple of years ago, as we were starting to work through our vision for Christchurch, a couple of people had a, a picture of the whole Southport area and what looked like fires all over the town. Those fires were people's homes. Those fires were the work of the Spirit in those homes. Will that be your home? Is God calling you to make your home a house of prayer that will burn with the power and the love and the fire of God? See, if we all start to do that, maybe, just maybe, we'll see revival in Southport. Let me encourage you, read the story. At some point today, take out your Bible, read Acts 10. Let it stir your heart to see something of what we see in Scripture, to see it in our lives today, so that we might see revival in our time. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you that in Scripture we see you do impossible things. We see you break the rules. We see you break through convention. And Lord, in this time when everything is upside down, where everything's changed, Lord, we want to pray that you would send your Spirit upon us, that you would break the rules again, that you would do things that are new. We want to pray, Lord, that for each and every one of us, that we might set our hearts to prayer, that we might start to pray like we've never prayed before. In a time when, Lord, everything seems to be uncertain, I pray, Lord, that you would stir something in us, lay it on our hearts to pray for revival. And, Lord, I want to pray now that that picture of fires all across Southport might be fulfilled, that there be homes in every area of this town that are filled with the power and the love and the fire of God. Stir our hearts, I pray, Lord. Amen.